You're listening to the CPR of Life podcast, a show about creating community through connection, awakening potential, and uncovering the resilience of the human spirit through an understanding of state of mind. It's about living a life well-lived and uncovering what often gets in the way. Hello and welcome to episode number 30. My guest today is author and coach Ankush Jain. Ankush recently published his first book, Sweet Sharing. It's a wonderful book and it's one that I definitely recommend to those in the Three Principles community. Today we are taking a deep dive into rediscovering or maybe just discovering who you really are. I hope you enjoy the conversation. So welcome, Ankush. I'm really happy to have you here for this conversation today. Um, would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about who Ankush Jane is? Thank you for having me with you, Jesse. Uh, I am Jesse Lynn, sorry. I'm a coach from the UK. I'm based in London. Um, and I've been coaching for about six and a half years. And I have released a book finally this year called Sweet Sharing, Rediscovering the World You. And I'm looking forward to having this conversation with you. I think the title we chose was Rediscovering the Real You. So uh, we can dive more into that topic. Absolutely. I love the book, first of all. Congratulations. I think it's, um, it's a nice read. I, like, I think you've heard comments before about the short chapters, which for me was a different uh, thing to come across. I've only recently come across authors who are doing shorter chapters. But the little nuggets, there's, there's, a, there's a really nice golden nugget in each, each of your chapters, which I think is, is really beneficial for the reader. So you can pick up a chapter and read it very quickly, but get quite a bit out of it. Is there anything for you that, what made you decide to do shorter chapters? Uh, it, well, I prefer reading books that have got shorter chapters myself. You know, I... Uh, when I'm reading, I try and read at least a chapter at a time. And so when chapters are like 40, 50 pages long, it's <laughs> yeah. um, and then you have to go back, where was I? What was I reading? Um, so I just wrote the, the book in a way that I like reading myself. Um, and and I'm, I, I like to keep things as simple as possible. So I didn't want to just extend chapters. I thought if I had something really meaty to say, then then it would be longer. But... I don't like adding words for the sake of words to, to, uh, to, to say more than is necessary. I, I try to be succinct in how I write and get my message across. When you started writing the book, what was the purpose? Um, I don't really know. I, I, I've been coaching for a while and uh, I felt like at a certain point I would, I would write a book um, but I didn't really know what form it would take or how it would look. And then I, I just knew in the end of 2016, I, I, I want to start writing that now's the time. And I just wrote, you know, it sounds a bit silly, but I just let the chapters unfold in a way. I just wrote what came to mind. And, um, and that formed the, the, the initial manuscript. And there's a lot of work done on the manuscript to, to get it to the finished product. But, um, but yeah, no, that that uh, the, the book in many ways wrote itself, and it was it was kind of my best explanation of of what I'd been learning, and I wanted to make it really simple for for people who didn't um, 
who hadn't come across my work or the work of my colleagues, which is called The Three Principles, um, I, I wanted to make it really accessible for people and really easy to understand. For people who might not know what The Three Principles is, what is it for you? So The Three Principles is, uh, I guess you could call it a new paradigm in psychology. And uh, it was originally discovered by a guy called Sidney Banks. Um, he, he, he wasn't a psychologist. He was, he was a welder. He was an uneducated guy. And he had an enlightenment experience. And um, some psychologists found out about him. And they started going, well, what, what's the, what does this guy know? And, and he would talk about psychology and spirituality together, which was kind of unusual. And, and then from these discussions, and what what happened at some point the the things that he was pointing to was was the what's called now the three principles and um it's pretty rever, revelatory it's it's very different to a lot of what is known or what's commonly known i should say in psychology it goes against the grain but um it's becoming more and more widespread more and more people are learning about them and they're having quite amazing results with with their clients. It's a game changer for sure. It's, it's changed my life and I think many in, in our community. So it's when you, after, after you've written the book, the books out there, can you see like, so I asked you before you started writing, what was the purpose? Can you see a different purpose or you didn't have really one at the beginning? Can you see a purpose for it now? Like once you were done writing it? Well, what I really like about the book is that, you know, it's something that I, I can share with people. So, you know, in my own work, I, I would always struggle. Like, what, what do I send to someone? How can I help them see more about what I'm saying? And this book is something that's very easy for me now to share with people um, because it's in my own words. So <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know it's not, it's not like, well, it's kind of what I'm saying. It, it, it's, it's really... It's, it's really what, what I've been saying for a long time. So I guess that's one of the, the purposes of the book. But, but also, I guess one of the things was I realized that there were other books out on, on the topic of the three principles, and I would send them to clients, and they'd always say, yeah, you're feeling your thinking, which is one of the sayings in our community, but so what? Mm, yeah. And they wouldn't really see the, the implications of that statement. And my book is a book of implications. It's very, very practical. And so for me, it's got a great purpose in that of helping people see that learning about what you and I talk about isn't just, oh, it's a nice idea and, oh, you know, maybe, maybe it's good for well-being, but it's, it's got very practical applications. I found, I found that in each of the chapters, that you, when you have the examples of it, I found that to be something really useful is the fact that the examples that you give are very much everyday life examples. They're not just kind of like an insight in the moment. It's just kind of like, this is, this is where it affected you or, you know, where the, the implication was, which was really, really, it's helpful. I think when, like you say, when you're giving it to your clients, but it's, it's helpful as a coach to be able to use those examples as well, which is super beneficial for me. So I'm grateful for that. And because when you wrote it, you wrote some things about uh, your family relationship with your dad and your parents are now your biggest supporters. 
have they looked at the book and just been like, did they understand it? Were they surprised by what they read? Uh, I think my mom was surprised in, in how open I was in the book and she felt a little bit vulnerable on my behalf reading it. Um, and, and there was things in there that they, they didn't know about, you know, cause, cause I'm very open in the book. So it may, may be surprised in that way, but, but yeah, still, still always very supportive. Um, my dad's read it. He hasn't really said too much about it, to be honest. Um, although he's, he's very proud of, of me and, and the book being out in the world. I guess so. <clears throat> Who wouldn't be? What a proud parent moment that is. Eh? <laughs> For them, do you think that they, like, since you've come across this understanding, do you think that they get the understanding that you're, you're teaching? Well, I, I, I certainly don't coach my parents. Um, <laughs> you know, that would be a very bad idea. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, my, I, I've kind of introduced them over the years to uh, to various books or they've been on some trainings themselves that, that I didn't run. Um, my father used to listen constantly to my, my own podcast that I used to run a few years ago called the relationship series. He would listen every morning. He'd listen to a different episode, and listen to them many times. So, you know, they, they have been impacted certainly by the work that I do. So they, they weren't completely brand new to it. Um, yeah. they, they've, they've been getting bits and pieces of it. It's like that ripple effect or, you know, when you drop the pebble in the water, you know, it just kind of gradually goes out. What do you think was your biggest challenge in writing the book? Uh, certainly editing it. I think yeah. writing the book was, was a lot easier than editing it for me. Um, you know, I just sat down to write every day and, and I'd, you know, very quickly come out with a chapter. But editing the book, I found a lot harder to pull it together as a coherent, you know, document, a co coherent final uh, thing that I could publish. So it took me quite some time, um, but, but it was a great learning curve. I think, you know, if I, if I write another book and I'm, and I'm hoping to, or maybe more than another, one other book, then um, I think I will have learned from this experience to, for, for, for the book to flow um, better as I'm writing it. Um, I did, some people create structures first, they'll, they'll write the outline for the whole book and then write it. I, I didn't do that. Like I said, it was very much unfolding moment to moment. Um, but, but yeah, that was, that was definitely a challenge. You write a lot in the book about your experiences and, and I think you've done quite a bit of work in self-development, you know, prior to coming across the three principles. What would you tell your younger self now? You know, I've I've thought about that question myself, and because um, you know it's it, it it's a question that often gets asked um, in various circles, and and there's there's so much I, I you know it would it would depend how old was I you know my younger self was it what five years ago ten years ago, <laughs> years ago? let's say you were talking to your fifteen year old self. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's just so much, but I guess the main thing I would want to tell my fifteen year old self is is it's going to be okay. And, and just to give myself hope, you know, it, I, I don't regret anything. Um, I feel very grateful to have learned what I've learned and for my journey. And, and I'm the person I am today based on all the experiences and learnings I've had and all the mistakes I've made along the way. So I certainly wouldn't even try and shortcut those. Yeah. But, but more so be a case of, 
just just let let him know look I've come from the future <laughs> yeah. it turns out all right yeah. you're gonna be fine um and I, and I think that would be really helpful you know because I was I was a very scared young man very insecure young man um as I'm, I'm sure a lot of teenagers are um and and you know that includes fear about the future so just to kind of hear my older self say hey it, it turns out fine don't don't worry would would be really really helpful do you think you would have listened at 15 i really don't know yeah i really don't know um and and that's you know i guess it's one of the things like i said i i don't i don't worry about these things too much because we all have our journeys to go on and we've we've got to go through those <laughs> yeah. through those mistakes and and learn the things we need to learn yeah it's a beautiful journey we might not see it in the moment that's just true with life though in general you know like i think that there's the ebbs and the flows and people sometimes want to run away when the it it goes downward spiral but there's magic in that as well absolutely yeah you 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 can't just have highs without lows yeah, you wouldn't know a high is a high. For you, I loved the biggest chapters for me that I felt like I got, well, forgiveness for me when I was reading that, I was just kind of like, I mean, I get it. I, I understand the three principles. and But there's something in that chapter when you just said, like, it's just, you know, you don't have to forgive. Like, there's nothing to forgive. That was really, really insightful for me. And I remember when I read it, I was just like, huh. It, sat, it was such a nice feeling when I read it. And you said that kind of when you came across that, or was it Keith and Valder who you had the conversation with? Yeah, Keith Blevins. Yeah. For you, what was that like? Yeah, similar to you. It, was, it took a lot off my mind. It was yeah. really, really helpful. Um. You know, to to see that because it was like, okay, well, that's another thing I need. To, I can take off my to do list. Yeah. Um, and it's not something I'd ever considered before. So it's it's uh, it's still one of my. It's one well, it's one of the chapters I certainly remember writing, and and one that stands out for me as well in the book. Um, and there are a lot of chapters, but you know, it's it was something that I've never heard anybody else say when, you know, when Keith said it to me, why would you need to forgive someone? I've never heard anybody else say that. Yeah. You know, it was always kind of assumed that forgiveness is a good thing. Or if people say you don't forgive, they do it from a place of like holding a grudge and, you know, don't let people walk all over you or something like that. But, but never, never have I heard it from kind of an enlightened perspective. Yeah, because I mean, I've looked at forgiveness and I, when I've had conversations about it, I've, I've had the conversation just that it's coming from, you know, it's, you're holding something, but I just, that was really succinct. It was very, it was almost like such a simple statement that I was like, I went back and I read it a few times and I was like, huh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> wow. The other one that I thought was, uh. There's there's three of them that, that kind of struck for me, the, the one on forgiveness, the one on acceptance, and the one on uh, guilty feelings. For you, is there a chapter that stands out in the book 
think, yeah, like I said, the, funnily enough, the two that stand out for me were, were around forgiveness and guilt. Mm. Uh, but that's just because they were huge. It's not necessarily the chapters, but because of the insights themselves were really big for me. It was really helpful. Um, but it's but it's amazing that when I've been getting feedback on the book from from various different people, um, it's been so mixed. You know that people have highlighted different chapters that have really landed home for them or really stood out for them, and I've been surprised at the lack of consistency. I think you and I are quite similar. You've you've picked some of my favourite chapters, but it's it's been nice that you know a chapter that I might not have even given a second second thought to. Um, someone will say that was the best. That that one really hit home for me. So it, it's it's kind of nice to hear that because it, it means different people get different things out of it. Yeah, and it's, I, I think it's also where you're kind of maybe where your, your, your mindset is at the time because for me, I've been thinking a lot about the whole notion of forgiveness. So, but I mean, maybe not when I was reading it actually, but it did stand out to me. You have a lot of chapters in the book. When you started to write it, did you kind of intend to have that much like are are you just kind of it was just like oh you know this kind of insight came up for you and you're going to talk about it no I, like i th- i set myself a target of about thirty thousand words mm-hmm. um which i thought would be like a medium-sized book and that's that's what the manuscript was you know give or take but by the time we got to the end it was over fifty thousand, and i hadn't realized i'd added so much during the editing process um, so I hadn't planned it to be as as meaty, if you like, as it was. Um, but it just kind of naturally happened. It grew to that stage. If there was a message that you would, when you're working with a client, I guess it would be depending on what their, you know, what what the conversations were pertaining to in that moment. But if there was one general message that you would hope people would get from the book, what would it be? Uh, I think the last chapter is, is, is really a good message to take away, which is about hope. Yeah. You know, that, that's really what the last chapter is about. That, you know, this is just a, the whole book is a jumping off point for further exploration. And, and uh, I want to leave people with a, with a message of hope because there's, there's so much, so many negative conversations happening in the world regardless of the topic whether it's politics whether it's business um whether it's about relationships marriage or you know parenting you know, every every everything seems to be quite negative um and for me this is a very hopeful understanding something that has, has made a, a huge difference to me personally and one that is making so much difference to you know to clients of mine, clients of yours, you know, um, it's becoming more and more widespread and, and having such huge impacts. And so I'm very hopeful for the world looking forward. And, and that's kind of the, the overall message for the book. What was your wife's favorite chapter? I don't know, actually. She, she's, she's read the whole book. Um, she, she read it as I was writing it. Um, but uh, uh, I don't know if she's read the whole book the final version of it, but but she 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 read a lot of it, and um, I don't know actually. I don't know. I, I will have to ask the question and let you. <laughs> yeah. Not to put her on the spot or anything. Hmm. 
what um when it comes to relationships because that's a that's a that's when I've seen such a significant shift with people what for you was a significant shift when you came across this understanding what in in general or in relationships relationships uh huge huge you know um the premise of the book is that you know our reality is is a reflection of our thinking moment to moment and and that has huge implications for relationships because you know relationships with my family improved because uh i wasn't blaming them for when i felt bad or you know holding them to to a standard for them to make me feel good it's not it wasn't on them um in terms of romantic relationships i it helped me drop a lot of neediness and insecurity because again i wasn't looking for any feelings to come from my partner um yeah in general all my relationships improved pretty much because it it just helped me drop a lot of what wasn't true and so you know the the subtitle of the book rediscovering the real you um that that's what it's about because when we when we we drop a lot of our misunderstandings as i say when we when we see that our reality is just a reflection of our thinking we are tapping back into or rediscovering who we are you know who who we are when we were very young children where we didn't have a lot of beliefs and ideas about the world we just we just were and if anyone listening to this has either got you know a, a very small young child or or has had one in the parcel that they can probably resonate with that absolutely absolutely what what made you choose so what made you choose the title sweet sharing for you it was actually a suggestion by my coach steve chandler and for those people who have read the book it's a reflection of the first chapter where i where i literally share my sweets as a very young child with with someone um and i, and I kind of like the play on words for the book um yeah i could have called it something totally different could have called it <laughs> rediscovering the value but but it, it it's kind of nice and it, it really sits well with me now looking back now that you've done that and you you said that there's probably a couple more books in you that you would like to write what's something you'd like to explore next in a book well the the uh, i've been making notes so when i speak to people if people have got a question or something comes up i've made a list of notes of of um other implications i could share as as well as notes around things that i've shared in the book that people don't quite understand so maybe i could write a bit more about about that topic so so that's certainly on the cards um and there's other topics i'd like to write about as well i i would i would like to write a book around coaching cuz i've been coaching now for, for a while and i coach other coaches and i i see some in that field a, a lot of misunderstandings a lot of assumptions not based on reality so i'd love to love to write on that and um i i have a ton of ideas um <laughs> let, let let's see what lot what turns into into reality what do you think your next one might be starting with coaching yeah i don't know i i've i've and i've actually written a few chapters um and i've got some chapter titles of, around coaching so that that was that was the plan but let's see 
Do you name your chapter before you write it? Sometimes. Um, when I was when I was writing the book, I would I would I would write a title and then write it. But the titles have changed significantly. Not not all of them. A lot of the titles changed in the final edit to better reflect the chapter. Um, but yeah, if I you know sometimes just a a title or a header is, is all I need to get me going into writing the chapter. Yeah, it's like a springboard, and then from there you can kind of open up. Do you do something like um for me? I get like I do this morning ritual where. I write three pages every day and it's just kind of one of these things that I think of it like kind of a deep listening to my soul kind of thing where I just write and I, it might start off with, I think I have nothing to write about and I'll start. But every time it's been where it flows and I can fill three pages, no problem. Do you do any kind of journaling or writing that, that helps you come up with ideas? Not, not really. But when I when I'm speaking to clients, I might I might sometimes write down an idea. Or yesterday I was speaking to a client and he said, "Wow, that can you say that again? That was really useful." So he wrote it down and I thought, "Yeah, that was quite good." Maybe you know, and I write it down because it might be something I want to share. Um, but sometimes I just go with whatever's coming up at the moment. Um, so I have ideas all the time, but. Um, when I was writing the book, I would just sit down every evening at 10 o'clock when the house was quiet and no one was awake. <laughs> and I would just spend 20 minutes, half an hour, and I would just bash out a chapter. And I, I found it really easy to do at that time of night. But whereas in the, in the so that was kind of my ritual, whereas in the daytime, I, I, I struggled a lot. Oh, I wonder, is it, do you think that your mind is just quieter at night? Yeah, because you're at the end of the day, you're kind of done with work. Um, you know, my wife's gone to bed, so that that was. If I if I write again, I'm probably going to follow the same structure. It's, it seems to work well for me. When you're working with your clients, do you see some? Because I guess what's primarily the clients you work with is it coaches? Is it just people in general? Is is there a particular niche that you have? I, I work with a range of clients. So I I do coach other coaches. Um, I, I work a lot with men who just kind of more into personal development type stuff um but yeah i've i've done i've done a lot of different things i've and and you might be working with a client on one thing but actually you work on something else so last year i worked with a client who wanted to grow his coaching practice but we spend most of the time talking about his marriage yeah um i've had other clients who i've coached on i don't know a topic um and and they've wanted to then become a coach. So there's a lot of there's a lot of interplay and, and crossover. Um, I've done some men's uh, I do these men's immersion events, five day events. I've done some for women. I've I've done some training in a school, which I did on behalf of another coach or with him. Yeah. So in some ways, people see I have a couple of niches, and in another way, I'm, I kind of work with a lot of different people. Do you have a favorite? No, no. I, I think every every client I work with and every bit of work I do is, I enjoy it. If I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't do it. Hmm. What I've noticed, um, because I'm part of your Facebook groups, I've taken uh, some training with you, is how you fully show up. And it's one of the things I learned from you is really about service. And... To me, that's a 
it's it's something that I look for in, in all areas of my life, but I think when it comes to coaching, it really makes people stand out. You do these men's immersions, which I think have kind of expanded over time. Well, they've, they've evolved, I, I should say. They, well, they, yeah. they look quite different to how they, they started off. What's changed? A, a lot of stuff. And, and I'm, I'm always thinking about how it, it's about impact for me. It's about transformation because people that are paying for these trainings and events and things like that, they, that's what they're paying for. They're paying for their life to be different. They're paying for them to be different. So I'm constantly thinking about how I could, you know, make that more of a possibility. So, you know, they start off being three days long and then they went to four days and now they're five days or two half days and four full days. And part of that is allowing me to have more time with the group and, and go deeper, um, which which then leads to transformation. But yeah, there's lots of things I didn't include accommodation beforehand, and, and now I do. Um, the way that people get pre work, I do a lot of pre work with them beforehand. That's changed. Um, yeah, there's there's a whole host of things that you know I could probably spend half an hour talking about <laughs> the difference, but I think it's probably more important today. It's all driven by transformation. And if I do something and I don't think it's leading to more transformation, I'm, I'm very tempted to just drop it. And do you? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes I'll, I'll might stick with it or, or amend it. But yeah, I'll, every time I run an immersion, something will change. When you started at three days, did you think, oh, how am I going to fill this three days? Or, or how, you know, three days sounds like a lot <laughs> when you're starting? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I used to think about that. But um, time just goes. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing how, how quickly time can go. It's, and look, if I had to give a talk for three days, yeah, that, then I would struggle. It's not, it's not a talk. It's much more of an interactive kind of event that I run. And, um, and so I vibe off the, off the guys in the room. And, um, and that seems to work really well. Have you ever been in a situation where there just hasn't been a good vibe, either with a particular person or with the group itself? I think my job is to hold space. That's what I find is to, to, to kind of manage the container, they call it, um, and, and to ensure that, you know, the, the group is you know, playing nice with each other. Sometimes <laughs> that, that requires me to jump in, but I think over time I've got better and better at you know, one, spotting the right people for my group and two, letting the people that come in, you know, be aware that this isn't all about them. This is about the group. And so we can challenge each other, but it's about doing so in a respectable way. And you said you've run them for women as well, or just that's for men? I've run a couple for women. I haven't run any for women this year, but I, I have in the past year. And did they kind of, was there questions about how are you running a women's immersion as a male or were they just comfortable? Not, not so many, not so many. I, I thought I would get more, but yeah. um, I'm sure a lot of people thought it, but yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't that concerned about, it. I was concerned about it at first, what people might think, but then I was like, well, that's okay. And I think some women came to the event because I was a man. They didn't. They didn't want to attend one run by women, and they found that quite fascinating and interesting. 
and and I learned so much from from the women in both the groups I ran as well. Was there a notable difference in kind of what was coming up in the men's groups versus what was coming up in the women's groups? Funnily enough, I found the men to be a lot more vulnerable and and open and supportive of each other. I, I think because men don't do that. Yeah. When when that came up in the group, the whatever whichever man brought something up, they had the automatic respect of the rest of the group because they were like, that takes courage to do that. So there was kind of that mutual respect, um, which was less so with the women's groups. Um, maybe because women generally are more open. I don't know, but it yeah. was something that I did notice. What for you was kind of something that you, because I'm sure like you're holding the space, but you're like, like you say, you're part of it. This is, you know, you're in the space as well. What's some of the biggest insights you've walked away with from the emergence? Uh, that's a difficult question. I mean, I do get a lot from them. Um, but I, I'm, I'm struggling to think of with a, with a number one insight that I got. There's always something I learned from each one. And, and often as coaches, you know, whatever we're coaching people on, it's, it's often the, whatever we say to a client is what we need to hear the most of. <laughs> so there's always elements of that. And, um, you, you know, the, the interesting thing that I find is if, if I mean, the, the events aren't 100% the same, they're always different, but if they were the same, you know, people would still see them as different because, you know, you can read a book and not really be ready to hear it, and then you can read it 10 years later when you're ready and you'll, you'll read it as a totally different book. Have you ever done that with a book? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think that's the same. You can have a conversation that's just kind of, it hits you. And even the thing about forgiveness, what we were saying in your book, it's kind of one of these things I had, I had been kind of investigating it and the whole concept of it. But then when I read it in your book, it was just kind of like one of these, huh, okay, like that's, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> you know, it just kind of finished off the exploration for it. From the women's immersions, would you do them again? Uh, I was planning on doing one earlier this year and then I chose not to do it. Um, I'm thinking about running it again next year, but but let's see. Never, never say never. <laughs> would you do one that's just mixed male and female? Uh, again, I, in the past I've said no, but but never say never. So I'm I'm, I'm always open to to doing things differently and experimenting. And I, ne I never say no to anything anymore because whenever I used to say no, then that would end up being the next thing that I would do. <laughs> yeah, it's just um, kind of like the universe has a different idea for you. Yeah, so I, I, just, I just wait and explore and just do what makes sense and just take the next step. For the people that come on the events, do they, from what I've kind of seen of it, is it people who kind of return do they keep coming back kind of thing? It's a mixture. It's yeah. a mixture. So, so there are some people, a lot of people will attend more than one. They, they don't intend to, but they will attend more than one. What made you start doing them? Um, a bunch of reasons, really. I'd never run group events before. I thought it could be cool. Um, you know, they're, they're a cheaper way to work with me rather than one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, but actually the reason I keep doing them is because I enjoy them so much personally. So you do one a year? I do two a year. 
Okay. Is it always in the same spot or do you travel? Uh, it's moved. So again, that's one of the things that's changed. So I, I used to do it in a hotel, but I recently have moved it to a big country manor house, uh, which we rent out and people stay there and it's, it's beautiful. And it's just like, you look out the window and it's just green. Yeah. You know, you can't see. There's a place uh, in my family's from Scotland and there's a, I was there in November and there's this beautiful castle that they've refurbished. And if I was going to hold an event in that, I, I would really like to hold it there because it's got the, all the beautiful greenery, greenery around it. You can walk, you know, the paths for walking and stuff. And that's a, that's an important part too, is kind of checking out. So I would imagine that that space is a nice space for people just to go and check out. Yeah, there's there's a lot of wonderful venues that people can use nowadays. And I think the place that I used for the immersions, again, was it's got a lot of history there. There's been some dwelling on the site, I think, like 800 years. And again, wow. you know, some people bought it and have spent a lot of money on it and refurbished it and redecorated it. What do you see for yourself right now in the near future that's something that you're kind of thinking of doing that you might, that's new for you? Is there anything coming up? Uh, so I, I did uh, let a few people know today. So I, I don't, I've never really run too many events for coaches, certainly not on my own. And I did one a few weeks ago and um, I really enjoyed that. So I'm going to do another one in September. On, uh, on the 7th and 8th of September. So that's something I'm playing around with, a two-day event for coaches, which I'm running on my own, which I'm really looking forward to. Is that going to so, be uh, in London good. as well, Ankush? That will be in London, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You seem to be very, like, in. you have a Facebook group for coaches, and I think that you're, it, it's, it comes across as something you're very passionate about, kind of sharing and creating that space. That's how it feels as a coach being in there. It's a really nice space to be in. And I think that um, it must be, it's probably been a pleasure for the people who attended the event. Was it a success? You're obviously, it was a success if you're going to do two days versus one. Yeah. And, and it's really come about from, from the request from the group, you know, the group has, was asking me for, you know, are you going to run this again? And how would you do it? And I said, well, I was thinking about running it for two days, but give me a bit more time. And, you know, a few people said, look, if you run it for two days, we'll, we're in. We'd love to attend. So that's kind of what's, what's led to that. So, yeah, so I was very happy with it. It was, it was a great success. It's, for me right now, I've seen, and I don't, it sounds like this is kind of what's kind of come out from your immersions and from your stuff is about going deeper. There's tremendous value in kind of not rushing something and going deeper into it. I went over to the UK um, in February and I did an intensive with, with a client and it was my first intensive. So I was just like, we were going to spend two days together. And I, I kind of had a lot of thinking about it because it was, I'd never done an intensive. And the interesting thing is when, when I got with this person, he's actually quite a, a famous person. And I didn't know this. I had worked with his son. That's how it could come about. And when I worked with the child and I worked with the parents and two days wasn't enough I could have spent more time with him I mean we it was a wonderful two days and I walked away I think both of us walked away feeling like it was quite successful but I could have done so much more yeah that that's always my thought my my thought with my work is always about transformation what's going to be transformative what's going to really help this person 
and and that's often based on my own experience and you know the truth is transformation often i'm not saying always but often takes time so you know that's why i like to really go deep with people because it, it gives the best chance for for a significant change to occur in the in the client because it doesn't matter who you are if you have less time there's there's often less you can accomplish when you work with people, if somebody would you work with somebody just for like a one-off session, or do you feel like you need more time than that? Uh, I've, I, I'm not going to say never because I have done a few one-off sessions, but they're on very specific and unique circumstances. Generally, when I work with people, it's it, it's over a longer term because um, it, it that's what makes most sense. But yeah, I, I have done one-off sessions where where maybe it's a former client. He's, he's come back on, a, on what's a conversation on a specific topic or something like that. Um, because again, like I said, you know, transformation typically takes, takes a certain amount of time. You've been coaching, you said, for over six years. What do you think has changed for you in that six-year period that you can feel the most? Have you got another hour? Uh, <laughs> you know, so, 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 so much. I mean, one of the things, my little sayings is that you know, in this profession, personal growth is professional growth. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that as I've changed on a personal level as a human being and, and really embodied a lot more what I, what I coach people in, that's been the biggest, biggest shift, you know. And um, I think it's one not to be underestimated because, you know, you can take all the strategies and ideas and everything else but if I was the same person internally as I was six years ago, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't be anywhere near as successful as I am. So you yourself, have you had a coach throughout this whole six-year period? I, I haven't. So the first couple of years, I, I, I did have, I was on a training course, or different training courses. Um, the, this, so first year, I didn't have anything that was one-on-one, really. The second year, I worked with someone on a one-on-one basis who was uh, more of a three-principles mentor than a coach. But for the last four and a half years, um, Steve Chandler has been my coach one-on-one, and that's been a you know, continuous four and a half years, regular coaching sessions, and it's been incredibly helpful. I think the difference in that when I had first started coaching many years ago, I was coaching part-time. I didn't understand the impact that having a coach yourself could do. It's, it's a game changer. It's life changing in many ways. Like you say, from the, the personal development that takes place that inevitably ripples into your professional space. Uh, I, I absolutely agree. Do you now still have a mentor and a coach or you just kind of, yeah, so I, I uh, so so Steve's still my coach, uh, Steve Chandler, um, and I last month got back from America where I spent time with with Dr. Blevins, Keith Blevins, who who I would call more of a, a mentor and guide. Um, yeah, I, I I have both because I think there's you know a, a coach is great, but that doesn't mean you don't talk to anyone else or read anyone else or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so so Keith has been really helpful with my you know, my own journey with the three principles and, and understanding that more deeply. And then, and Steve, Steve's my coach. Because there's a definite difference. Just like there's a difference just because you understand the three principles, that doesn't make you a coach. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 
there's there's definitely something to that as well, and that's something I learned in time as well. And Kush, is there anything else you'd like to share with the readers or the readers and listeners? <laughs> uh, no, I I think we've we've covered an awful lot today. You know, from from the book to 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 coaching. Um, I, I just hope this has been a helpful, um, you know, helpful conversation. Um, I will I will say that um, give a little plug on my on my website. There's a there's a lot of content. There's all my podcast episodes and interviews that I've done or given and stuff for coaches as well as non-coaches. So if, if people are interested, uh, it's not just one way. You've got to put in your email address to get, you don't have to give me anything email address wise, but there's a lot of content on there that people might be interested in. I definitely, I, I recommend your podcast, both your relationship and your business one to people very often. I think that there's so much there, um, but I've also checked out your website and, it's something that I would highly recommend that people who are interested in any of this conversation could uh, take a visit and benefit from. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. I really appreciate it. You're most welcome. Thank you for, for interviewing me. It was my pleasure. I've been looking forward to it. Thank you so much. It was great to connect with Ankush and learn more about his journey, writing his book and rediscovering the real you. As I mentioned, I recommend this book. It's an easy read filled with gorgeous nuggets. It's always nice to hear the background of how and why a book is written. I appreciate Ankush taking the time to chat. Here are a few thought bomb takeaways. Our reality is a reflection of our thinking moment to moment. There's tremendous benefit to tapping into who we are before we get caught up in our thinking. Younger children show up unfiltered like Ankush did when he talks about sharing his sweets as a child, hence the name of the book. When we learn how our reality is created, we're more likely to tap into this unfiltered presence. It's a beautiful space to be. And finally, when being of service is at the heart of your coaching business, and I would say really for any business in general, clients feel that, and they're more likely to gain insight and experience transformation. Until next time, be well, be inspired, be you. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll share this podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with Jessie Lynn, please check out the contact page on her website, jessielynnmcdonald.com. Also, we'd be beyond grateful if you would leave us a review. Join us next time for another edition of the CPR of Life.